in uh, the junior high in Tampa last week, and then the high schoolers were in Mexico this past week, and it's really neat to have them home, and I'm excited to see, and, and I think it's August the 8th, we're going to do kind of a service where it's kind of a mission service. We'll hear a lot about what's going on and what happened on their trip, but um, I, I talked to some of them this morning, and they, they're real excited. So it's just great to have everyone home, and also we had our 121 camp where some students went to our 121 camp, so three different things going on, but uh, I had a fantastic time with the junior high. I know Chris and Brian had amazing times with the high school, so it's just great to have everybody coming back together here. Um, in Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40, it says, The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. You know, I, I've sat in my office so, so many times talking to people who come maybe from different churches who maybe had a, a difficult experience and they're, they're kind of going through a, a healing process. They went through a painful experience. They're, they're looking for a place to, just to heal, uh, to, to, to maybe reconnect. And I don't know, maybe that's some of, someone out here this morning. You know, a lot of people will come into church and they'll just find a nice, comfy place to, to sit down and relax. They don't want to get involved. They don't really want to serve right now. They're just coming off a difficult time. And it's just, just a time of healing. And, they, and in many times, in many cases, they've lost their desire to serve. They've lost their desire. They've lost their heart to serve. But what I have found is that very few people intentionally stop serving God and intentionally stop serving others. It doesn't really happen that way. I, don't, I haven't met many people who've just consciously said, you know, I'm done. I don't want to serve God anymore. I don't want to serve other people. It usually just happens as, as life presses down upon them, as the difficulties of life press down upon them or, or experiences they've had in the past. Something's happened. It's just kind of pulled the life out of them. Usually it's not service that robs us of our desire to invest in the lives of other people. As a matter of fact, service is a great way to relieve stress. You know, if you're stressed out, you think, oh, I can't tell one more thing. Service is a great way to relieve stress. It's a great way for, for us to put life in perspective, to put our problems in perspective. Now, I can guarantee you, if you've ever been on a mission trip or served somewhere in the inner city or even here within the local church or in the community, I can guarantee you it's given you a little better perspective. When you spend a week or a couple of weeks with someone who maybe have, has nothing to eat or uh, doesn't have electricity or just doesn't have the things that we normally take for granted, clean running water, it puts your life in perspective. It allows you to see the bigger picture. And so service helps us in those areas. It doesn't stress us out for the most part. It, it doesn't give us a, a warped view of life. It gives us a better perspective on life. We see it through, through different lenses. So you know, service is something that God allows us. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful healer. It allows us to heal. I've seen marriages restored and transformed. I've seen, I've seen addictions overcome. I've seen fears released. 
when a person gets involved in serving and engaging in the lives of other people. I've seen those things happen firsthand when we allow us, when we step outside of ourselves and we serve other people. I mean, miracles happen. There's something supernatural about serving others. There really is. There's something supernatural. God does something supernatural when we invest in the lives of other people. You know, you can talk to people who've been on mission trips and things like that, and what they'll tell you is it affected my life more than it affected the life of the person that I was serving. Now, I'm sure it had a profound impact on the lives that were being served, but it really has the most profound on the impact on the person who is giving. There's something supernatural. If you've never actually given of yourself in that way, if you've never sacrificed financially or you've never sacrificed your time or you've never sacrificed something in your life, then you're really missing out because that's when we see the supernatural power of God truly work in our lives. And I can't explain it. It's one of those things that are just, it's impossible to explain how God truly works and moves in our lives when we serve other people. Service also helps us find our purpose in life. It helps us find our purpose. You know, you think, well, what's my purpose in life? If you don't serve, you'll, you'll have a very difficult time figuring out what your purpose is in life because God designed us so that when we serve, he opens up a whole new world to us. It, re, it allows us to redirect our lives. Some of you may be caught in a rut. Your, your, your wagon wheels are stuck in a rut. And, and what God does when we serve is he, he helps us redirect our lives. You know, you may have been a Christian for years and you're, you're kind of in a lull. You're, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. And then you, you step out and say, you know what, I need, to get, I need to get my life straightened out here. I need to start serving again. And you serve and God redirects your life. He, he gives you that clarity of thought. It's been really fun uh, over the last few months talking to some of the men in our church, specifically the the men in our church with what I'm talking about. And a lot of them are saying, you know, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm not really sure what I want to do when I grow up. And they're in their late 40s, early 50s. They're looking they're looking at the second half of their lives and saying, you know, I'm in a position. Maybe I can step out and retire pretty soon. And and what am I going to do with my life? And I, I love watching them get engaged in serving and seeing an opportunity beyond what they're doing now in their jobs to maybe use the gifts and abilities that God has given them to step out and serve in some of the things that we're doing within our church that are, comp- that are unique, that are, that are really unique. And I'm gonna, we're going to be meeting on Wednesday night, coming back here on Wednesday night at 6.30, because I, 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 it is so difficult for me sometimes. It frustrates me because I have a clock sitting right in front of me, and I want to keep the time within reason here. And I'd love to tell all the stories of, I mean, what happened in Mexico, what happened in Nigeria, what happens happening in India, and what's happening over here, and what's happening with the building, and what's happening. And I don't have the time. This Wednesday night, I'm setting aside, we, we meet every Wednesday night, but I'm setting aside this Wednesday night to just answer questions, tell you what's going on with uh, the construction of our building, because a lot of things are happening over there. Um, tell you what's going on in, on in Nigeria. I want to take, I'll take some time in this service, but I want to take a lot of time and just answer those questions and update you because I think you'd be, I seriously think you'd be in awe if we had the time to sit down and let me tell you everything that we are doing as a church. I think you'd be in awe. I think you'd be amazed. And I think it's one of the best ways to really reach out to your friends when you say, hey, when you start sharing what God is doing through our church, it's exciting. Most people outside the church, you know, the church itself is maybe not too exciting to them. When they see the church active and, and, and sacrificing for other people and serving other people, 
People outside of the church would like to be a part of something like that. They don't want to, they don't maybe just don't want to come and sit and do nothing, but they like the idea of stepping out and serving. One of the, one of the thoughts that I have, I'm rambling, but I don't care. One of the thoughts that I have with this oil spill, and I'm not saying we're going to do this for sure, but we've been talking about it as a staff, about in August, sometime in August, loading up our hot dog cart that we have out in our building, taking about 3,000 hot dogs and some chips and some drinks. The food pantry can get things for us pretty cheap. Uh, driving down to where the oil spill is worst and spending some time down there just feeding the people who are serving, cleaning up that oil spill. I don't know about you, but I, it makes me feel better when I can actually do something. I'll take the shirt off my back and go soak the oil up myself if I could um, because, you know, this is important stuff. And I, this is a part of our history. This is history in the making. And I think the church needs to be a part of that, investing in the lives of those who are serving there uh, on the coast. So um, I'll keep you up to date. If, we, if we're able to do it, we're working with uh, some groups down there. If we're able to do it, I'll let you know, and you can follow us down. It's going to be one of those follow us down. We're all on our own kind of thing. We'll find a place to park our carcasses, and we'll serve our hearts out. But those are some of the things that God has been stirring in our hearts. God has been truly moving in this church and doing amazing, amazing things. And, you know, when you serve people, it takes, it allows you to, to believe in things that you may not have believed in before. It begins to open your heart. You, you, it, 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 takes, it takes you to places that you thought you would never go. It allows you to do things you thought you would never do and, and experience things that you thought you would never experience, to try things you thought you would never try. You, oh, I would never, I would never do that. I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, don't ever say to God, I will never do or go to such and such a place. Because most likely you are going to either go there a short time or a very long time. Okay, I'm not kidding. I know so many people say, oh, I would never go to bang. And next thing you know, like six years later, five years later, they're packing their bags and off they go to wherever, somewhere in Africa or in Asia or something as missionaries. Because God wants to God wants to throw that whole idea out of our minds that we would never try this or we would never do that. I could I could never. God doesn't like the word never or impossible. And as soon as we as Christians, as, as his children start to use those words, he, he wants to make us eat them in some way. So don't, if you have the, you know, go home and cut the word impossible out of your dictionary, okay? Because in our church, that's not one of the words that we like to use. We want to know that God, God, with God, all things are possible. And God wants to use you in that way. Service can also be, can also be a powerful way to help you overcome your limitations. So many of you, and I, I'm the same way, I, believe it or not, I kind of have in my mind sometimes I have limitations. And when we serve, it allows us to put those limitations out of our mind. Because we're not thinking about what we're capable of doing. As we serve and we see God move, we begin to realize, hey, if God can do that, maybe God can do this. And maybe God can do this. And maybe God can use me to do this. So you start to lay aside yourself and you see yourself through God's lenses. And you see yourself as someone who's capable, not limited, when you serve. But you will never know that until you step out and you begin to serve God. When we, when we step out in faith and we serve others, it exposes our gifts and abilities like nothing else. When you truly step out, it exposes your gifts and your abilities. They come out into the light like, like nothing else. You know, many people don't serve because they believe, they have this belief that they're not good enough. And so they stay in spiritual limbo for years. Good, solid Christians who love Jesus and they have this mentality that somehow they're not good enough. 
And they keep that. You know where that comes from? It does not come from the word of God. It does not come from the pulpit. It doesn't come from the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It doesn't come from God living in you. That comes from the world that tells you those kinds of things. And then you believe that and you bring it into your Christian worldview. That's not coming from God. Limitations and those kinds of things like you're not good enough in some way don't come from God. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't think you're good enough and you don't think you're strong enough and you don't think you're wise enough, well, honestly, join the club. Join the club because God uses people like you. He uses people like me all throughout Scripture. You read about men and women who, who had limitations, who thought they had these limitations, who, who, who struggled through life. We read about them in the word of God and, and they, had, they had issues, they had limitations, they had flaws. Their Bible's filled with people like that. The church is filled with people like that who have those kinds of things. But you know what? God can still use those people. I want to read through. I'm just going to throw out a couple examples and see if, you, see if this resonates with you in any way. Abraham and Sarah, eh, too old, right? They thought they were too old. Timothy, too timid. He was too timid. Gideon didn't have any confidence. Paul had some physical problems going on. Moses had some kind of speech impediment. Mary Magdalene, she had a kind of a shady past, right? You kind of go through the Bible and you start thinking about these people. Elijah, he, he was ready to kill himself and commit suicide. He got so, dis he got so down. So you go through the Bible and, you, you know, you look at all these different people and you start to realize, wait, they have, some of the, they have some of the same problems that I have. They have some of the same thought patterns that I have. They have some of the same discouragements and the, the thought process of limitations in their minds that I have. Well, you know what, my friends? As I said, join the club. But what you need to do is, like them, you need to step outside of that. We're all, we all feel that way sometimes, but God can use us in power. At any time, any of these folks that I just mentioned could have looked at their lives and said, you know what, this is, I, I just, I give up. I give up. I, I don't, I, you know, Gideon, I'm just not, I'm the weakest, and my clan is the smallest, and blah, blah, blah. And he could have given up. Mary Magdalene thought, oh, this and that and the other thing. And Paul, oh, I'm really aching here, whatever his impediment would have been. Moses could have given up. They all, you know, they could have all given up, but they didn't. Because God allowed them to see how he was going to use them. And he used them in powerful ways. But they had these, these impediments. They had these problems. They had these particular issues. Each one could have given up, but they, were, they did not give up. And they were used by God to do amazing things. You know what? This may not be. We don't have chandeliers hanging from anywhere in this church. You drive by and a lot of people say, I don't even know it was a church. You know, we don't have the, the snazziest this, the snazziest that. But you know what? You don't have to be the prettiest place or the biggest place in the world to do extraordinary things for God. And let me tell you something. I could stand here for a, an entire day and tell you things that would blow your mind over the last 10 years that God has done through us. We give him the glory. But they've been extraordinary things that God has done through a simple church through a group of people who, who haven't looked at their financial limitations. We're not the richest church in Cincinnati, but my goodness, I got a, such an encouraging call from a pastor about a month ago, a couple of months ago. He said, you know, can, I'd like to sit down and talk with you. 
And I said, well, sure. He said, I'm starting a church, and, you know, I, I only have maybe 20, 25 people, and I, I know you guys started out, and the church has grown. But he said, you know, you're not the biggest church in Cincinnati. I said, I am. thanks a lot for sharing. You know, tell me. He says, you guys don't have, I know you don't have as much money as other places. I said, you know, what, when are you going to tell me something good here? He said, I know you guys don't have as much resources as some other churches, but he says, you know what you're known for around Cincinnati? He said, some of the most amazing ideas some of the most amazing ministries come out of this out of Grace Chapel. And he said, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a church of 10,000. But he said, I'm hoping to, you know, I hope we grow. But even if I'm only a church, we're only a church of 50 or 60, he said, I want to do great things for God. He said, if we never get huge, if we never become a mega church or whatever, he said, I still, our church still wants to do great things for God. And he said, with, you know, with the, with your, your facilities aren't the, 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 the most glamorous. He said, you know, guys don't have the most money. He said, whatever, you're not the giant biggest church in Ohio, whatever else. But he said, so many amazing things come out of your church. So much amazing ministry comes out of your church. What an encouragement to this body to be a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. And that's what's been happening for 10 years as God has been using us, my friends, Great leaders are also great servants. Great leaders are great servants. If you're not willing to follow, then you're really not ready to lead. We need to be followers of Jesus Christ. We need to be like Christ. You need to be willing to get your hands dirty. You know, I have seen hearts completely transformed by people who spend a day cleaning up disgusting toilets for, for, for orphans in, in different parts of the world. Their lives have been changed because they just, I mean, I mean, get their hands dirty. That's getting your hands dirty. That's just nasty. But lives have been changed because they got their hands dirty because they were willing to serve. And really funny things happen when you serve like that, too. I'll never forget. Now, most of you know I'm not very good at fixing things. I'm not the worst in the world, but I'm, you know, I'm, I can't fix things very well. Um, and in Mexico, they said, we need you to take this toilet off. And, uh, and just fix it, you know, there's stuff stuffed down in there. And so, you know, it's a sm little small children or anything. So I, I got the toilet loose. So I was very proud of myself to get the toilet off. It's, you know, and now you're laughing because you're thinking it's not very hard to get the toilet off. But I got it off. I was very proud. I took the toilet. Now, there's still water in the toilet when you get it off. It doesn't just drain out. So I put the toilet behind me, and I was down on the floor. I, pull, I pulled out like a little matchbox car, some coins, all kinds of little things that kids try to flush down there. And as I'm working on it, I start to hear this noise. This, like, treacle noise, you know what I mean, in the water. And I turn around, it's this little two-year-old standing. He's just, he saw a toilet in the middle of the room. He figured, hey, it's got water in it. It's a toilet. I'm going. And it's the cutest thing in the world. I'm sorry to see a little two-year-old fan go in the bathroom. It was awesome. And he just went to the bathroom in the toilet. He just, he pulled his pants up, went on his way. The toilet was sitting in the middle of the room. He figured that's a good, good enough place as any. So he went. It was awesome. But I'll tell you, it, it's, you know, God can use us. It, it, in, in this, if we're willing to get our hands dirty, God's going to do amazing things through us. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we just don't want to get our hands dirty anymore. You know, in church, you have... You have specific jobs that people are gifted at, and then you have other jobs where, you know, I kind of put it like this, where God just says, you know, go pick up the board and bring it from here to here. And people say, well, that, that older Christians, that's not my area of giftedness. I haven't been called to pick up the board. You know what I mean? You, you know what God would say? I didn't ask if you were called or gifted. I said, pick up the board and go from here to here. I don't care about your giftedness or your calling. Go do it. 
That's, you know, that's what we need to do. We need to have that mentality wherever we go, wherever we are, that we want to serve God with our whole heart. You know, the elders of our church have two jobs. Number one is to be an elder and to, and to do that job well as an elder. The other, the other job of an elder is to be engaged in another area of ministry within the church, serving the body of Christ, because they cannot do their job of an elder to, to lead this church if they don't have their hand on the pulse of this church and they're not serving in the trenches in the church with all of us. They can't do the job well. So when we started the church, my first two things an elder does. Number one, serves as an elder, comes to meetings and all that kind of stuff, makes decisions, but also they serve and engage within the body of Christ or they cannot do their job well. They can't be some ivory tower guys that, you know, that don't, don't get engaged. And so they serve. You see, in God's kingdom, you can't lead, lead others if you're not going to serve others. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Remember this verse, Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. If you come here more than two weeks, you're going to hear it. It says your attitude, we're talking about being followers of Christ, it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's the thing. You may be the CEO of a company. You may have started your own business. You may be on top of the world wherever you are. You may be the man or the woman, and that's a good thing. You worked hard. You deserve to be there. But you know what? You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and sometimes you need to get your hands dirty and do whatever God calls you to do. And I'm not just talking about within the confines of the church here. I'm talking about being a servant of God, a slave of God, giving your life to him and doing whatever he asks you to do. And a lot of times, out of 25, over 25 years of ministry, I've learned something. Sometimes the high-profile jobs are kind of, they're, they're, they're not as exhilarating as the low-profile jobs. Sometimes the high-profile jobs, you know, they're, 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 they may be exhausting, but then the low-profile jobs, they're, they're exciting, they're exhilarating. I, I, let me give you an example. The first four times I went to Nigeria, I met with political leaders. I met with politicians. Draining, okay? Draining. Waiting for the governor. Waiting for the, the, the supreme chief. Waiting for this secretary. Waiting for that cabinet person. Just waiting. I spent hours waiting. It was just ex it was exhausting. It was exhausting. The last six times, but you have to do that in order to get kind of set up and do your thing. The last six times I've been there, I spent most of my time with people in the village. And it's been exhilarating spending your time. You know, maybe it's just me, but I would rather eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with an orphan than dine with a dignitary. I really would. I'll dine with a dignitary because I have to in order to be in a position where I can go and invest in the lives of those who, who, who really need our help. But sometimes it's not the glamorous, my friends. It's not, the, it's not this, you know, exalted job over here that is the one that God wants you to be a part of. Sometimes he just wants you to do the, the, the little things. He wants you to take the lowly jobs. Jesus Christ was God. He could have come here, sat on the throne, and just snapped his fingers, and everyone had to jump or else. But instead, what does he do? He takes on the very nature of a servant, and he says, I want you to follow my example. Follow my example. You know, a lot of real ministry takes place when you get your hands dirty in practical ways serving other people where they live, where they live, serving people where they live, getting engaged in people where they are, not just expecting them to come here. 
but reach, they're not going to come here if we don't reach out to them out there. So we just need to do that in practical ways. And for most of you, that means at work. That means at work. Because ministry may start in the church, service may start in the church, but that is not where it ends. Ministry should, when we leave here, it is 24-7. Serving other people is 24-7. It's not something you do just on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever. It is something that you do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What I'm talking about is maybe defining your job defining your job by by the benefit it brings to other people using using your 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 job as a service to others as a way to serve other people kind of rethinking your mind a new paradigm in your mind that I go to work in order to serve others in order to engage other people being in a sense a marketplace minister the people that you're with spending most of your time, you engage and, and you invest in their lives. Now, I asked Chuck Proffitt to come, and I wanted him to share with you why he started At Work on Purpose and to kind of share with us some of the things that he's doing and some of the ways that he's doing it. Because, again, most of you are spending you're, – you're here an hour, an hour and 10 or 15 minutes for your whole week. But that's not where you're spending most of your time. Most of you are going to spend your time at work, engaged at work. And so I asked Chuck to come and kind of give us a new, give us a new paradigm and show us how, why he started at work on purpose and how that's impacting people's lives. So thanks so much for, for sitting down, Chuck, and, and talking with us. You're welcome. It's good to be here. So why don't you do that first? Just tell us why you started at work on purpose. I became a Christian as an adult. My first full year with Christ was 1997, and I was amazed that whereas the church, the local church, focuses a lot on our lives before 9 a.m. and after 5 p.m., you know, marriage ministries and recovery ministries and all that's good ministry, but when it comes to our everyday work, we don't find ministry. And I was amazed by that because we spend most of our waking hours at work. Here's another way to say the same thing. Only 3% of working Christians are employed in the local church or parachurches. 97% of us are employed in the marketplace. And 70% of the people in the marketplace don't attend church. So if you want to talk about a missions field, I get excited about Nigeria. I also get excited about Mason. Mm -hmm. But we don't think about the marketplace, just everyday working people in a working world, as a place where we can be active in ministry. So tell us, how, you know, how you started, why you started it. Is there I, I got started because I realized there was a disconnect between the opportunity to have a faith life at work and invest in people's lives spiritually at work and the reality that most of us don't. And so over a series of years, Jeff, I started experimenting for myself and then eventually realized that there needed to be a ministry, a home, a place, and a way to bring working Christians together so that we could be better together to build up Christ at work, to be the church at work. At Work on Purpose as a ministry to the marketplace grew out of that, and God's blessed it. We have over 4,000 people involved with it now across greater Cincinnati from different church homes, denominations. Uh, most of you in the audience wouldn't know this, but we found this out from Regent University a couple uh, weeks ago. At Work on Purpose has become the largest citywide ministry to working Christians in the country. And that... Thank you. And, and that ministry, At Work on Purpose, really was born spiritually in many ways out of Grace Chapel. It was the idea of being purpose-driven, 
of, of really fulfilling a purpose in our lives, and, and a lot of that came from my experience here in the congregation. Awakening imagination. I'm just going to keep saying it. Waking imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. And that's exactly what happened to you when you were here. So you know, when you were sitting in this in this uh, congregation. So, and and I'm glad they clapped because that's a very that's something to be proud of. So, um, how how do you help people see their job as an opportunity for ministry? Because there's th- that's what people are thinking. Let's get real practical here. When Jeff shared that question with me, I was thinking of so many different ways to answer it. But I decided, you know, in the interest of time, to just give one example. In the marketplace, we often talk about something called ROI, return on investment. You know, we put a lot of money out in the marketplace. If I give you $100, I want you to give me back 150 after you've done something with it. But spiritually in the marketplace, why don't we think about ROI as return on involvement? As we involve ourselves spiritually with others at work, there are spiritual fruits or returns that aren't counted in dollars, but they're counted by God in eternity. For example, when was the last time that any of us here today prayed for the people with whom we work? When was the last time we thought about ourselves as a literal working example to others about what Christ would do confronted with situations at work? If we see a problem area and we're courageous enough to bring it forward to an employer and get it fixed, maybe it's an ethical problem or it's just a management development issue, and other people see that, we're leading by example. We don't have to be beating them overhead with a Bible, but we can be bringing a biblical principle to bear. That's a great example. Our testimony, if we treat people well at work and they come to us and say, why would you care enough about me to go the extra mile the way you did? And we can say, well, you know what? Because Christ cared enough for me that I need to really care that much for you. Let me tell you about that. What about developing people, uh, building their skills at work? And then by doing that, sharing with them the wisdom that's in the Bible. And when a day comes that they ask where those great ideas came from, we hand them one. We hand them a Bible. What about outreach? The idea of taking the resources we have at work. There there are so many dollars and people and good ideas. There are just all kinds of stuff. But what if every person who was in a department someplace at work decided that once a year as a Christian would organize that department to go out and serve in the community, to create a greater good, to do outreach through work? Do you have any specific, like maybe one specific story you want to share that kind of pulls this all together? Jeff had originally asked me to say, hey, could you focus on just one work life and and how there's been fruit in that person's life? And what I would rather do is focus on one example. So if uh, programming folks would just put up this photograph, this is our new-to-you truck with our new signage on it, which just came on last week. And I want you guys to know that new-to-you is one of our business trees. It's an enterprise that generates a sustaining flow of profits that fund ministry work for us. So we go to work. And we do ministries, we operate, take profit dollars and invest them in kingdom work, right? We, we marry a head for business, heart for ministry. Now, here's the story, though, behind a whole bunch of people who are at work on purpose to make that truck possible. That truck was sold to us at a very affordable price by Will Hausch, who is the president of Monroe Mechanical. He attends at Grace Chapel. He is an elder here. So that truck wouldn't be there if it weren't for Will Hausch. That logo wouldn't be there if it weren't for Mike Stretch from Steadfast Studios, who came to Christ here at Grace Chapel, was moved by the experience, and decided to take his graphic art talents and start a business tree, which is headquartered on this campus, to be able to do the kinds of things that we want to do around the world. And then there's the, the whole look and feel of that billboard, if you will, on that truck. Well, that was designed by Jan Hamilton, who also is a graphic artist, and as a a tender here at Grace Chapel. And so right there, just on that truck, 
you see all of those things. That truck is driven by employees at the new-to-you thrift store who wouldn't have jobs if we hadn't given them that opportunity. And in this incredibly difficult economy right now, just having a job is a big deal. So there's one little story about how you can make a kingdom difference through something as simple <laughs> as a thrift store. Well, thanks, Chuck. I appreciate you sharing, buddy. You know, because you can sit here, you know, you can sit here and talk about service, 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 but this is where you all live. And uh, I know Chuck is, you have an opportunity, you're going to, Chuck's going to be doing something in the fall here, right, Chuck? Um, like a, he's developing at work on purpose here within Grace Chapel and helping train others within the body. So that's coming down the line here in the fall. But, you know, that's where you all live. That's where you live day to day. And I want you to see that, you know, the, a Christian worldview is not stuffed inside of a building. It's, it's something that goes out and impacts the lives of people all around us. So I'm glad that Chuck had the opportunity to, to kind of share that with us. Um, you know, it, it, work is a perfect place to serve and invest in the lives of others. But you can serve whatever, wherever you are, whether you're at home or whether you're at school. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing is an opportunity for you to serve. It doesn't matter where God has placed you right now. As long as you have the right heart and you have the right attitude, God's going to use you. And all you really need to do is simple acts of kindness. For example, at home, maybe you do a task at home that you weren't asked to do. You know you need, you know it needs to be done, so why wait for your parents to ask you to do it? Just go out and do it. That's serving Jesus Christ. By serving your parents, you're serving Christ. Maybe you're in the car and someone pulls up alongside. You know they're cutting the line and everything, but instead of you know, cutting them off, maybe you, kinda, you let them in. That's serving you let them in or they need to get in. Cincinnati people, I'm sorry, but in Ohio, you have a very difficult time merging here. Merging is not one of your strong suits. Okay, in New York, people knew how to merge. I mean, there's a lot of better things here in Ohio than in New York. Let me tell you, I actually live here now longer in Ohio than I did in New York, but they know how to merge there. They don't know how to merge here. So maybe you let someone merge in. They're not, it's not offensive that they want to get in and, and get where they're going. And so what you do is you kind of wave them in. And when you do that, what you need, one thing you need to look for once you wave someone in is the, the thank you wave, right? Everybody understands that? You have to get the, and you want the wave? And let me tell you something. Now that we're on our cell phones in the car, the pinky doesn't count as the wave, all right? You got the phone and you kind of wave your pinky. It's like, well, I, I can't even see that. What is that? It's like hang loose. But I don't know what that means. I want a wave. I want, I want a full hand. Hey, thank you so much. You know what I mean? That's what you need. If they don't give you the wave, you cut in front of them. No, I'm just kidding. You don't do that. <laughs> you take it back. Mario Andretti. No, you, you know, we need to be serving each other in that way. Simple acts of kindness. It doesn't take much to change a person's day. It doesn't take much to change a person's life that way. I said this a couple weeks ago. When you go out to lunch today, if the waitress or waiter does a good job, go to the ma call the manager over. I tell them I'd like to see your manager and compliment that waiter or waitress in front of the manager. This person, whoever it is, did an outstanding job. Simple acts of kindness. You don't know what kind of crummy week or life this person has had and someone points out something kind about them and says something good about them. Those are acts of service. We need to live that way. 
You know, do you want to add fuel to your spiritual fire? Do you want to experience the, 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 the power of God in your life? Do you, do you really want to, do you want to, do you want to see dynamic change in your own life? Then serve others by serving, serve, serve Jesus by serving others. Serve Jesus Christ by serving others and watch God move in your life. Watch God change your life. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? The, the waitress, the kid in Nigeria, the person next to you, sitting next to you. Love that person. Invest in them. Serve and love the people at work. Serve and love the people at school. Serve and love the people in your neighborhood. Serve your friends. Serve strangers. Give your life in service to Jesus Christ. That's what God calls us to do, to be like him. In the end, my friends, every act of kindness, every sacrifice made for Jesus Christ Every loving gesture that you do for others that no one else sees is seen by God and can change the course of history. Let me read you a story very quickly as we close. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal. Winston Churchill called together labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade, parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come from Dunkirk and gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots who had driven, who had driven the Luftwaffe from the skies. Last of all, he said, would come a long line of sweat-stained, soot-streaked men in miners' caps. Someone would cry out from the crowd, and where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. That's what God calls of each one of us, that we put our faces to the coal. You know what? You know, not all service is prominent. Not all service is, is out there. It's not, it's not glamorous. But it's often, it's often those who are willing to put their faces to the coal where no one else sees. The simple gestures to the people around you, the kindness to your brother or sister or your parents or your friends who need help, or the person who looks discouraged in the store, the person who looks overwhelmed at the counter because everyone was screaming at them all day long. It's those little things that no one else sees. It's putting your face to the coal that really truly helps us fulfill the mission and vision of the church. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to be together. Father, I thank you for the way you're moving in the lives of the people here and the exciting, dynamic ministries that have been birthed out of this church. I pray, dear God, that would continue, that there are people here this morning who are dreaming, who are having visions of what you can do in their lives, that they're thinking of the future and opportunities to serve others and how that's capable, how that's possible. Lord God, maybe there will be people here this morning who have been dreaming about things for years and those dreams have died. They've been in places and in situations that those dreams have been crushed. I pray, dear God, that you would awaken their imagination once again. 
that you would ignite their passion and ultimately unleash their purpose on this, this church, on our community, on our nation, and on this world. And we give you the praise and glory for it in advance. We praise you and glorify you in advance for what we know you're going to do in and through each and every one of us as we serve you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Now, as you leave, I want to encourage you, please come back on Wednesday night. I want to share some things with you about what we're going to be doing in the future, some new things that maybe you can be involved in on the ground floor. I want to answer any questions you have about business tree or all the things that we're doing with self-sustaining enterprises or back-to-back ministries. Take some time on Wednesday night, 630. We'll have dinner here for you, and we'll spend some time just dreaming together. Have a great week.